Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of CP's podcast series with FTI Consulting Specialists. I am Laura Kalugar, Senior Editor with CP. Today, I've invited Senior Managing Directors Ingrid Rivera-Noon and John Broadwin, who have recently been promoted to co-leaders of FTI's real estate practice, to discuss careers in real estate consulting. It's been a while since I last spoke to Ingrid and John, so I'm glad they were both able to join me. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. So let's take a look at the skills that um, real estate consultants need in order to be successful. What skills are especially in demand today? Real estate consultants need to understand the fundamentals of investing in commercial real estate, including developing performers of future cash flows, understanding leases and other legal documents such as mortgages and or construction loans. They need to understand the capital stack of investments and be able to prepare returns analyses for investors. They also need to be well-versed in the types of real estate ownership structures, including private equity funds, joint ventures, real estate investment trusts, and private family-owned entities. Um, They need to be able to perform market uh, research and be analytical in order to convey findings and recommendations to clients, which means they also need to have strong communication skills, both verbal and written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And, and of course, we don't expect someone coming right out of school or with limited experience to know how to do all of these things, or at least not all of these things well, you know, on, on day one. But well-developed Excel skills is always welcome. And those that have found the lost art of writing will always put a smile on our faces. You know, a lot of people who, you know, get an education in finance and accounting uh, tend to like ignore the the qualitative aspects of the business. Uh, So it's important to have good writing and speaking skills. Uh, And with that, like, I always love seeing people taking classes in public speaking or being involved in activities that generally require a lot of meaningful you know, personal interactions, that, that always looks looks good and, and helps people in their careers. Right. And are there any specific educational requirements for becoming a real estate consultant? Are there any prerequisites to get into real estate consulting? Generally, we look for college graduates with finance, accounting, or economics degrees. Mm-hmm. It helps if these students have taken some real estate coursework in school or real estate concentrations. Uh, These types of degrees provide the background for helping consultants understand the fundamentals around underwriting real estate transactions. And once they start to work, they develop strong Excel-based financial modeling skills, as well as real estate-specific cash flow projection tools uh, in the real estate industry. It's Argus Enterprise. They also need to develop research skills to assess market-related assumptions that are utilized in real estate underwriting. Yeah, and, and a very large aspect of our, our real estate practice, uh, you know, we also provide tax structuring and tax compliance services to real estate companies. So an understanding of the tax rules pertaining to partnerships and other flow-through entities, as well as real estate investment trusts, uh, is, is essential, particularly if you're, uh, you know, looking for a career that involves uh, tax. So we look for tax accountants, CPAs, and consultants with master's degrees in tax or, or law degrees uh, in tax. Uh, we also provide fund administration services to many of our clients. So expertise in financial reporting or, or real estate funds is a must for those looking for a career in, in fund administration and financial uh, reporting. 
we tend to look for CPAs or CPA candidates to fill those particular roles. Uh, and even those that are not looking to dedicate their careers to accounting and tax, having a good understanding of accounting principles and being able to understand and dissect a financial statement and accounting records is, is really very important. And what advancement prospects are there for real estate consultants? How can they advance in their careers? Well, uh, well right now, advancement prospects are, are truly excellent. Um, there is a big shortage, not just, you know, worldwide, uh, mm -hmm. consultants and analysts and, and accountants. So, you know, so career progression advancement opportunities at the moment are very ripe. Uh, we at FDI involve our young professionals in all aspects of transactions. So they are exposed to a broad range of experiences that hone their skills and allow them to attain their career goals. Not all of our consultants stay though. Some learn skills and move on to the principal side. Uh, mm -hmm. They become, oftentimes they become clients, which is always terrific to train somebody and then, you know, be working with them, you know, at one of our clients. So, of course, you know, and it's interesting if you look around at the leaders of many real estate companies today, they started their careers in accounting, law, or consulting firms and evolved onto the principal side of the business. Yes, uh, I, I, to add to that, as Jan mentioned, we provide fund administration services to private equity firms investing in real estate and, and, and those, that tax structuring and tax compliance services to those same companies. You know, these professionals also gain increasing levels of technical training and transaction experience, and they can progress literally from an intern level all the way to senior managing director if they have the right mix of technical skills and have been able to develop deep client relationships throughout their career. As Jan said, it's not uncommon for those who choose not to stay with us to land at companies where they become clients. Also, you, you previously mentioned that um, most of these um, real estate consultants receive on-the-job training in the form of, of mentorship, maybe. What can you tell us about the importance of having a mentor in this field? Have you had any mentors yourselves? Sure, of course. Um, many over the years, um, it's always important to find a good mentor, regardless of the field in, in which you work. Right. Mentors help young consultants navigate the complexities of their chosen profession, as well as the organization in, in which they work. Uh, this is not certainly not unique to a TI. You know, a good mentor acts as your advocate. Sometimes that means helping them rethink their highest and best career alternatives. I've had the privilege over the years of mentoring many, and in some cases that meant helping them reinvent themselves, either within FTI and sometimes helping them achieve their goals outside of FTI. And as we said before, sometimes they become clients. So it's really a win-win all around, and it doesn't always work out that way, but you know, it's, it's always about having a good mentor to help you make the right decisions and, and navigate your career. Did you have, Ingrid, any mentors that you'd like to mention? Uh, I, I, had, uh -huh. I had fabulous mentors throughout my career. Uh, my, my first supervisor boss, and then, and then ultimately uh, the, the partner that ran the firm that we owned before we, we joined FTI. Um, I found that mentors really use their political capital their, you know, in an organization to help young people, to help to help me. Um, uh, but I think that comes from the mentee, you know, working hard to make the mentor successful as well. So I, I think it's a two-way 
street uh, if you follow what I mean. Of course. Yeah, that's and, very that's a very critical point uh, Ingrid was making that it's really, um, it's obviously incumbent upon the mentor to reach out and, and be very integrated with those that they counsel, but it is important for all staff, whether they're just starting out of school or, you know, with many years of experience to take some level of responsibility, you know, to seek out uh, their mentor as well. And another important aspect I would mention is the fact that um, real estate consultants need to be able to work well under pressure and, and meet several deadlines. Is there a way they can improve or develop their resistance to stress and, and pressure? Yes, absolutely. There, there is pressure and there are deadlines in delivering client service. Understanding that communication is key and being well thought out and planning in advance is critical to ensuring that clients are aware of progress and or delays that frankly happen from time to time. You know, you're either waiting for third party information or we end up finding significant uh, variances to what is expected that can cause delays in the completion of a project. There are certainly times as a consultant where long hours and weekends are necessary, but we are respectful of our team's work-life balance and look to ensure that we only ask teams to work long hours when it's really necessary, which is certainly not and should not be every engagement. Oh, that, that's so right, Ingrid, and, and so different from when you and I came up the ranks, for sure. <laughs> for those who, who don't know us, before FDI, you know, both Ingrid and I rose, rose, <clears throat> pardon me, rose the ranks uh, as auditors and tax preparers. So long hours, weekends, they were the norm. And having 2,300 billable hours in a year, that was considered a badge of honor. Uh, today, that would be a cause of concern that we would, you know, look to address. Uh, mm -hmm. But it, again, as I mentioned before, like seeking out your mentor, uh, it's incumbent upon the staff to speak up if the pressure is mounting and, and mentors need to be checking in regularly. We all have different pressure release valves, right? And, and mm -hmm. different levels of tolerance to risk. Um, so we shouldn't be presumptuous that people who we're working with have the same level that perhaps Ingrid or, or I have or others, you know, but the, I find the best pressure release valves is constant communication with your peers, your mentor, your supervisors, preferably in person whenever possible, as so much gets lost in translation, in my opinion, over emails and chats and Teams or Zoom calls. You know, I still believe that we learn the most standing around the water cooler. So I always <laughs> encourage people, and we respect work from home and hybrid uh, work arrangements, but I think it's important that, you know, we all have that, you know, person to person physical connection uh, whenever possible. Right. I agree. It's those very short conversations, I don't know, outside work that uh, help us connect and know each other better and uh, therefore um, we will be able to collaborate better. Yes. That's right. And maybe one of the causes of stress in this field is the fact that the real estate industry can be very volatile. Just look at the market now. How dependent is a career in real estate consulting on the state of the real estate market? I think the basic skill sets are similar, whether we're in a good cycle or a bad cycle. During good cycles, we provide a lot of transaction support services. In bad cycles, we see more restructurings, workouts, and disputes. 
Real estate valuation skills are needed in both situations. So much of what we do starts the same regardless. We need to properly underwrite the real estate cash flows. And then naturally, our restructuring professionals then layer in the additional skills to proceed through the actual restructuring process and, and, and bath cycles. But, but we can use our teams in both situations. And everyone's talking about a potential decline in real estate markets. Uh, everyone's afraid of a potential recession. What does that mean for real estate consultants? May that lead to fewer real estate transactions and, and thus less demand for real estate consultants? Well, obviously, you know, one of the hot topics right now is rising interest rates and inflation and, mm-hmm. you know, and how these dynamics in, impact, impact uh, real estate consultants. So I, you know, and, and obviously that's that's a very hot topic right now, but rising interest rates certainly pause transaction activity while the market figures out where it's all heading. Disruption always creates opportunities, both good and bad, depending on whether you're looking at it from the buyer's or the seller owner's perspective. Regardless, when transactions occur, it is good for our business. Um, it's those in-between periods when transactions are paused that we sort of see a downturn in our, in our business. Um, real estate is a lagging indicator of the economy. As an mm-hmm. easy example, like during the worst of the pandemic, and even today, while physical occupancy of most office properties is was well below pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic uh, levels, companies have long-term leases. And for the most part, they are and were paying their rent. Uh, not all, but I think in most cases, that was the case. And many have long-term uh, mortgages with low interest rates. This doesn't mean there won't be challenges ahead. However, it does mean that we often have the luxury of not needing to handle knee-jerk reactions. We have the time to plan. And during all cycles, our clients still need tax compliance, financial reporting, fund administration services, et cetera. Let's discuss a bit about the real estate industry dynamics that underscore the areas that are ripe for growth today and in evolving cycles. Yes, well, real estate investing involves relatively complex capital structures, which require a significant amount of structuring to optimize tax efficiency and or to restructure the capital stack in downturns or in over-levered companies. So given where we anticipate interest rates to be going and the looming world recession, it certainly feels like there will be ample distress situations over the next 12 to 18 months. You know, as Jan just alluded to, you know, we and our clients in most cases have the luxury of being able to see far down the road and plan accordingly. You know, that being said, uh, some sectors are prone to immediate changes, of course, such as hospitality and mortgage rates that are, rely heavily on leverage. So these sectors uh, will likely be an, impacted much sooner. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what, what I see happening. And uh, I've been doing this for, gosh, I hate to say it, but uh, 40 years now. So I've lived through many cycles of ups and downs. And, you know, real estate, it's sort of like a 52-card deck. It just gets shuffled around. And what I find, depending on what cycle we're in, different types of buyers end up, you know, being out there buying properties. Others are sellers. Um, you know, private owners tend to look for more leverage, although, the, you know, it, my point is it's, it's depending on your capital resources, different buyers and sellers come in and out of the market that creates transaction volume. What 
we're looking at at the moment is that transition when we're shifting from one type of buyer to the next and one type of seller to the next uh, as we sort of navigate through uh, the interest rate environment and you know the uncertainties that have been caused by the pandemic uh, as well as certainly the situation in, in the Ukraine. Um, how the outcome of all of these things will will help color in the picture of what will be in the next 12 to 18 months uh, and further out. Uh, but I think there'll be a little bit, I think the markets will be a little bit quiet for at least another couple of months. But from conversations I've been having, I suspect by the fall, we'll start to see activity. Um, and some of it'll be due to duress. Uh, but whenever one party is in duress, it's just another opportunity for somebody else who's not in duress. Uh, and there's an, a meaningful amount of capital sitting on the sidelines waiting to be deployed. So I think once there's a certain level of comfort in the marketplace uh, with interest rates and certain other political dynamics, um, you know, the market will get active again and uh, the transaction side of the business will get busy. So what are you advising your clients today? Should they just wait a bit and, and see how the market reacts our well-capitalized clients are are delevering and we're advising our clients to do that you know in in mm -hmm. extent possible so um you know and just to hold tight and 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 wait for those opportunities where you know the over levered companies are in distress and again as jan mentioned those are opportunities for our well-positioned clients thank you both for sharing all these insights thank it's you pleasure thank you laura I hope you all enjoyed this. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to follow CP's podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Mm -hmm.